Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now, if you brought your Bibles with you, you are welcome to take them out. If you have a Bible on your phone, we're going to be reading from Psalm 84 this morning for our Afrikaans-speaking people, Pesalem 4 and Tachtach. Um, we're going to be reading a free, few verses from there. Now, maybe before we dive into the sermon, how many of you still, your holiday is still on the way? All right. How many of you have already had your holiday? Few of you. How many of you, like you're just working throughout this festive season? Anybody? Okay, we have, we have about three, four people in the house um, that's, that's still going to be working. And I think, um, based on that, I think it's a very fitting series that we're starting this morning called God With Us. And so whether you're staying in bloom, believe it or not, God is staying with you. Right? Whether you're going on holiday, God is going with you. But the reality is, wherever we go, God resides in us and He stays inside of us. Now we're going into our festive season um, that we celebrate annually and in a few weeks time we will be celebrating Christmas. Now how many of you um, your family does the whole tree with presents and all of those things? Anybody? Okay, quite a few of us. Now personally my family, we are one of those families who puts up a tree and there always has to be gifts. And about two days before Christmas you would find my dad sitting on the couch staring at the Christmas tree. Right now, that, that's already weird. And then he would say to himself, we really have very little gifts this year. And then he would jump in his car and go and find the most random stuff to buy, get them wrapped and then put them under the Christmas tree and then go back to the couch and look at it again and just smile. Okay, he just loves the fact that a Christmas tree and the presents represents, he knows every single year, this time of year, we spend time together as a family and he loves it. He really embraces this time of year. But around about this time of year, we also hear a lot more conversations happening around the birth of Jesus, the fact that God sent His Son for us to die for us on the cross so that we might receive eternal life. And when you're on Facebook or Instagram, the posts of Jesus' birth and all of these things increase. But somehow, for some other reason, for the rest of the year, we do not very often speak much about the birth of Jesus. It's sort of something that we celebrate once a year and then speak about other stuff. For the rest of the year. Speak about maybe more, more things that we haven't heard before or stories that we haven't read before in the Bible. And so with the series that we're launching this morning called God With Us, what our aim is, is to see how Jesus being sent by his Father to earth to die for us was not simply a mere visitation. He didn't visit us for the 33 years he spent on earth, but he actually reached out to us and made his home with us and in us. And to this very day, more than 2,000 years ago, God still resides with us and in us. He never left. His presence is with us still today. And so over the next few weeks, we want to spend some time looking at different scenarios that I'm sure all of us in this room have experienced in our lifetimes. And what we want to do is to discover how God 
how Jesus, how His Spirit is with us in all circumstances. And how oftentimes, although we might feel we're going through troubled times and we get overwhelmed by valleys, how it's more often than not, not about the circumstances we find ourselves in, but it's about the God who is with us in those circumstances. And when we managed to see God standing next to us, standing in front of us, standing behind us in dark times, how that just brings life and breathes life into the most difficult times we will find ourselves in. Probably about two, two and a half months ago, we were having our community, and we're quite a mix of young working adults and students. And so we usually in our community group time on a Wednesday evening, we have a time dedicated to sharing testimonies. And so we would open up the floor and ask if there are any testimonies. And so we had a bride at Rian and Dem's house um, the one time. And afterwards, we just sat down, and one of the girls, um, she's a student at, at UFS, she puts up her hand and she goes, like, can I, I have a testimony to share this week? Can I quickly, can I quickly share it with the group? And we're like, yes, that would be amazing. And she starts with this. She says, about two or three days ago, my dad shot himself with a spear gun in the head. And he's still alive. And she tells us the story of how her dad went out spearfishing the morning alone. And as he was busy, a wave hit him, bumped his spear gun against a rock, and the, the spear discharged into his face, and it came out here. It's a 1.5-meter-long spear sticking out of his head. And I can imagine, I mean, you walking on the beach with your wife, and here comes a guy that <laughs> just has a spear lodged in his head. And she tells us the incredible story of how doctors say that this, this spear could not have found a more perfect way to lodge itself in his head than what it did. There's a, an x-ray photo of more or less what it looked like. You can go and search for it. He's now known as the Spear Man. Go and Google it. You'll find the whole story. But I'm listening to this testimony, and I saw some of the testimony of, of her dad um, and her mom, where they shared what happened. And here's what I'm, what I'm hearing from their testimony. I'm not hearing, why did God allow this to happen? I'm not hearing where was God when this took place. What I am hearing from all of them is that there was a sense that God was with them in this. But not only was God with them, but God was busy working all things together for their good. And if you don't know this morning, that's a promise that you and I have in Scripture that doesn't matter what happens to you, if a spear lodges itself in your head, God is saying this, I'm making it work together for your good. And so whatever valley, whatever challenge you're going through, whatever challenge you might have gone through in this year, this promise applies to you. God is saying, I'm making all things work together for your good. And so this morning, I want to speak about God being with us in the valley. God being with us in the valley of trouble in the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you feel like you have had a rough year? Like 2019 for you is not a year that you would want to repeat ever. Quite a few of us. Here's what I want to dive into with this morning's service. I want to show you how valleys 
in the kingdom of God are pathways to peace. Okay, I'm going to say it again. I want to show you this morning how your valleys, and when I'm saying valleys, I mean your darkest times, how they are being made into pathways of peace. Not of stress, not of worry, not of anxiety, but pathways of peace. Quickly tell your neighbor, your valley is a pathway of peace. I remember... In 2008, I believe it was, I was um, part of a group of friends who were, we were really non-Christian. In fact, we really persecuted people in school who were Christians. And I remember in 2008, I think it was about around about April, I went on a Mighty Men's conference um, because I was invited by family and I just, I just went for some other reason and not knowing that my life on that camp would completely change. And I remember it was the Saturday evening, um, Uncle Angus was preaching a sermon and something just completely struck my heart. I've heard the message before. I've heard the stories. I've read the scriptures before. But in this moment, something in my heart, God was changing. God was breaking. God was rebirthing something inside of me. And I remember I just couldn't stop crying. And we were driving home on the Sunday afternoon. Um, I went into our house, went into the bathroom. I knelt in front of the toilet, gave my heart to God in front of the throne, just a different kind of throne. And I remember going back to school on the Monday morning, I had no clue how to tell my friends that I am now what we have been hating for so long. I'm now a Christian. I'm now one of those people. And I just couldn't do it. I remember I just couldn't do it. And the Monday afternoon, the evening I was lying in bed, I was thinking about this, and I just prayed this one simple prayer. I just asked God, Lord, please give me just one person. Just change one of my friends so that I just have someone that I can actually share this news with. And I remember it was the Wednesday afternoon, I was at home, and one of my friends rang the doorbell, he came in sat on our couch and he told me about how we went through quite a dark time the past few months and for some reason he just decided to give his life to God and I was sitting there I'm like someone's joking someone like someone found out that I became a Christian and they're pulling a prank on me or something but towards the end of the week over the next four or five days seven of my friends gave their lives to God without me saying anything about what happened to me. But I remember being a young Christian, how we sat, it was such an exciting time in my life. We couldn't wait to go to church. We couldn't wait to read Bible, to pray. And I remember we were figuring out what it looked like to be a Jesus follower. I remember afternoons after school where we would sit with a cigarette in the one hand reading the Bible. And God was just busy changing us. God was just busy sanctifying, changing the way we see, changing the way we live. But I remember about three months down the line, all of a sudden, my friends, one after the other, started turning their backs on Jesus, started walking away from the faith. And it was such a heart-wrenching time for me. It was such a heart-breaking time to see that what we've experienced, the life that we've shared up until now, is just being denied. And looking back to that time, here's what I've realized. All of us, all of, all of the, the friends that I had who gave their lives to God had this one expectation in mind in becoming a Christian. That as a Christian, we are made for good times and not for bad times. There was an expectation 
in the hearts of my friends and even in my own heart where we believed everything will be fine from this moment onwards. And the moment valleys hit, the moment we found ourselves in dark spaces, in challenging times in our lives, we just couldn't do it anymore. We were just completely let down because why would God allow us to go through something like this? Why would God allow us to walk in dark places like this? Why would God allow us to go through what some of my friends went through at that time? And they just couldn't find an answer to it, and they they abandoned the faith. To this day, they're not with the Lord anymore. They're not serving God. I'm the only one from that time who's still standing, still serving God. But it's not because I haven't been through valleys. It's by the grace of God that I, I just simply don't know why I'm still here and they're not following God anymore. See, it's very easy to see God when we're experiencing mountaintop seasons. It's very easy to see God when we're doing well financially, when our families are at a good space, or when we get that raise, or we get that new job, or our child gets body trained. It's good to see God. It's good to say these words that God is with us. It's easy to say that God is good to us when we're experiencing the upside of life, the hilltop moments of this life. But I've spoken to countless people in my life, some of whom had children going for chemotherapy, some of whom have lost their jobs, some of whom have lost family members. And the one question that I've heard more often than not from these people is where was God when that happened? Where was God when my little boy or little girl was diagnosed with cancer? Or where was God when I lost a loved one in a car accident or due to a disease? Where was God when I lost my job? Where was God when I got divorced? See, it's more difficult to see God when we're in the valley. It's easy to praise Him on the hilltops. And you oftentimes hear the question, if God is real, why do bad things then happen? See, many people who don't believe in Jesus, who are not Christians, base their theory on this. If God is real, why are bad th things happening in this world? And more specifically, why are bad things happening to good people? See, valleys oftentimes are places of brokenness. Valleys oftentimes are places of confusion, places of loneliness, places of desperation. It's places where we get stripped from everything that we thought we knew in our pursuit of looking for answers. See, I always say that personally for me, becoming a Christian has meant some of the best times that I've ever had but it has also meant some of the worst times that I've ever experienced in my life. And as I've said, I remember starting out as a Christian, there was an expectation that God would now make me sail over smooth waters. And it took me about a year before I found out that wasn't the case. 1 Kings 20 verse 23 is God's army, Israel, is about to enter into a battle with the Syrian army. And the Syrian advisors are going to the king and they're giving him this advice about God's people. Listen to this. It says the Syrian military advisors 
went to their king and said, Israel's God, Israel's gods are the gods of the hills. And last time we fought them in the, in the hills, and that's why they defeated us. But if we fight them in the valleys where they are weak, we will defeat them. Isn't this literally a, a summary of the tactic of the enemy where he says this, Israel's God is a God of the hills. And we oftentimes as young Christians believe that our God is the God of the hills. But then they say, listen, but when they're in the valley, when they're going through troubled times, when they're going through desperate and tough times, they're weak. So why don't we just fight them in the valley where they are weak? But let me say this this morning. I believe that God will make you stronger in the valley than when you're on the hilltop. And that you have more power to defeat the enemy in the valley than what you would have on the hilltop. And I'm going to show you why I believe that. See, here's what I've learned about good times and bad times. In my 10 or 11 years of being a Christian, I've learned that God is in both. God is in the good times and God is in the bad times. And we can have a lot of debates whether God causes the bad times, but I want to say this morning, God is in the good times, but he's also in the bad times. A few years ago when we were still living in the Cape, we had two couples in our church um, who had young children around about the age, six, seven, eight years of, of age. And I remember... We, I think it was probably in 2015, middle 2015, we got the news that these, both these couples, children have been diagnosed with cancer. Um, the one couple's little daughter and the other couple's little son, little boy, was diagnosed with cancer. And I remember that was the start of a very dark time, not only in these families, but in, in the church. It was difficult for us to understand. It was difficult to find answers. It was difficult for us to support these two couples. One of these couples were on full-time staff at the church. And I remember how we battled through, through this season. And we left sort of in the middle of, of this whole season. And then probably about six months after we left, around about towards the, the end of 2016, we got the news that the one couple's little boy passed away from cancer and the other couple's little girl was healed. And I remember the friction in my own heart. I'm like, Lord, they both love you. They both serve you. They both follow you. Why do these valleys end in a different place? But this, I want to say this morning. Looking at those couples' lives today, hearing the stories that come from them, I believe with all of my heart, God was glorified in both. God was glorified in the healing, but God is being glorified in the passing away of that little boy in ways that I don't understand, in ways that I will not attempt to define, but when I'm hearing what God is doing in the people who are close to those people, I'm convinced that God is being glorified. And so in Psalm 84, verse 5, it says this, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed are those whose strength 
is in the Lord. It doesn't say, blessed are those who can manage without God. It doesn't say, blessed are those who can go through the valley without the help of the Holy Spirit. See, we live in a society where independence is celebrated. When you can manage and accomplish something on your own, people celebrate you. But I want to say this morning, independence in the kingdom of God is not celebrated. Dependence on God in the kingdom of God is celebrated. And dependence on others in the kingdom of God is celebrated. It's what honors the heart of God. See, any lifeguard would tell you that it's impossible for them to save someone busy drowning for as long as they are still trying to save themselves. The easiest time for a lifeguard to save someone is when they're completely exhausted, is when they've given up. See, then the strength of God can step into the situation. It's the same with you and I. And probably a lot of you have found that in your valleys, it's the moment that you've given up and given over that God says, now I'm stepping in. Now I'm giving you the strength you need to press through the valley. Now I want to say this this morning, and I don't, don't want to say this to offend anyone, but the reality of Christianity, the reality of what the scripture is saying is that if you are not a follower of Jesus, all that you have to cope when you're going through valleys is your own capacity to cope with hardships. That's all that you have. And so when you've come to the end of yourself, you have come to the end of yourself. But this scripture is implying that as Christians, God's strength steps in when we have come to the end of our own capacity. In other words, there's a superior strength that Christians access when we have come to the end of ourselves that unbelievers do not have access to if they're not followers of Jesus. The scripture is saying, blessed are those whose strength is in God, not in themselves. See, my weakness activates the strength of the Holy Spirit in the valley. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, In my weakness, His strength is made perfect. I want to tell you, the quicker you come to the end of yourself in a valley, the quicker you'll experience the strength of the Holy Spirit lifting you up and carrying you through that valley. See, valleys are places where the source of my strength is exposed. And Scripture says... God is saying, blessed are those whose source is in Him, not in themselves. So that's the first key to how we need to behave in a valley. Make sure you come to the end of yourself quicker. Give over to God quicker. And then it goes on and it says, blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. See, Psalm 23 says this, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. See, it doesn't say, God help me not to go through the valley of the shadow of death. It says this, even though. And this is unfortunately a truth for every single person. There will be valleys. Jesus prophesied and he said, there will be valleys. But as Christians, we are not only called to a destination, we're called to a journey. We call to a pilgrimage. And I want to encourage you, if you are smack bang in the middle of some kind of valley this morning, embrace the journey. Don't just hope for the destination. 
Because there's so much that God wants to teach you in the journey. In the beginning of Psalm 23, David speaks of God in third person. He says things like, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He comforts me. But notice how the moment when David gets to speaking about the valley of the shadow of death, he says this, Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because not he is with me, because you are with me. Every other time in the scripture, he speaks of God as him or he. The moment he goes through the valley, he speaks of God as you. My father, I want to tell you, on the mountaintops, we enjoy God. In the valleys, we get to know God deeply and intimately. Make sure that if you're going through a valley, that you don't speak of God as he speak to God as your father in a personal way. There's a story of a pastor taking a team of missionaries over into a very hostile country um, who's not open to Christianity at all. And after a few days of ministry, they get caught and they get put in jail. And they were sitting in jail, um, all of them together. And at some point, um, some of the, the team members go to the pastor and tells him, listen, if, if we're going to be killed for our faith because of this in this country, as a team, we've decided that we go first. Okay, they're killing us first. And the pastor goes, no, 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 I'm going first. If we're being killed, I'm going first. And they go back and forth, and the, the team says, listen, we've decided, we've outvoted you. If they're going to kill us, we're getting, getting killed first. And the pastor goes, no, I'm your leader. I'm going first. They go back and forth, and eventually, by the grace of God, they get freed from this prison. They go home, and this pastor tells the story of how for the months after, after this ordeal, he was sitting in his off office, and one by one, one after the other, without the team knowing about this, in the months after this, they stepped into his office, sat down, and told him the very same thing. They all asked this question. Don't you miss being in prison? Don't you miss being in prison? And when he would respond to them, why would you miss being in prison? All of them, not knowing of each other, would say the same thing. I felt closer to God in that hostility, in that valley that I'm feeling at this moment in time. I want to tell you there's an intimacy hidden in the valleys that we go through. And that's why I want to say to you, our valleys is being made into pathways of peace. There's an incredible intimacy that you can find in the valley between you and God. And then verse 6 of Psalm 84 says this, As they pass through the valley of Baca. Now I researched this valley, and it says it, it was a valley in those times that was impossible to travel through without experiencing loss or facing trouble. And it was literally called the valley of tears or the valley of weeping or the valley of loss. And I'm sure as I'm reading the definition of this valley, many of you are sitting here and like, okay, cool. My, the valley, the name of my valley is the valley of Baca. I've been through the valley of weeping, of tears and of loss. See, something that is true about all valleys 
is that all of them are temporary. None of them will last forever. Verse 6 says, as they pass through the valley of Barca. God has not called us to set up home in valleys. God has called us to pass through valleys. But the enemy would want you to believe that your valley will last forever. And that there is no hope beyond your valley. And that this is it. See, I'm sure many of you, like myself, we have, we have almost ingrained in our memories different years that we have experienced immense hurt, that we have experienced the depths of the valleys that we have gone through. There has been quite a few for me. 2015 was one of those times when I went through a valley with my mom attempting to, to take her own life. I remember it, it was literally, I couldn't see past the valley that I was going through. I just couldn't see any light. I just couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I remember the enemy convincing me in that time that this is it. There's no hope beyond this valley. And I've oftentimes in my life found my valleys being connected to three things. Family, finances, and my future. And I know as a Christian, having been a Christian for 10 years, I've learned these are my Achilles heels. My family, my finances, and my future. And chances are that the valleys that I would find myself in would be directly connected to these three things. See, we will not always understand valleys. But luckily for us, understanding a valley is not a prerequisite for passing through a valley. So you don't have to have all your questions answered to get closure. You don't have to get answers from God about why or where was he before you can pass through a valley. See, in retrospect, valleys are altars of breakthrough. I'm sure that for many of us, all the valleys that you have found yourself in, when you look back to them, you can, see, you can see exactly what God has done in your life through that valley and what the purpose of that valley was. Deuteronomy 11 verse 11, God is speaking to his people and he's saying this, the promised land you are about to enter, listen to this, is a land of hills and valleys. The promised land that you are about to go into is a land of hills and valleys. I want to tell you, in the very center of God's will, you will also find valleys. Because many times when we go through valleys, we ask the question, what have I done wrong to be in this valley? Is there sin in my life that caused me or that led me into this valley? And sometimes that is the case. Sometimes we find ourselves in valleys that is our own fault, but even the valleys that are our own fault, God makes all things. Even those valleys He makes or He works together for our good. But being in a valley is by no means a sign that you are not in God's will. Psalm 23, David speaks about the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm sure all of us have experienced this valley to some degree. But what I've learned about this valley, about the valley of the shadow of death, is that it's not called the valley of death. It's called the valley 
of the shadow of death. And here's the thing about shadows. Shadows are often larger than the real thing. How many of you have ever driven past a lorry on the highway? The shadow that it casts is larger than the thing itself. And I want to tell you, when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, the shadow that falls on you is larger than the actual thing that threatens you. Shadows can frighten you, but they can't hurt you. It's literally an image that has no substance. But there cannot be a shadow without light. It's impossible for there to be a shadow without any light. So here's what I do want to encourage you with this morning. If, you're, if you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death, or if you might find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death in the future, I want to say that if you see the shadow, it's evidence of the light in your life. It's evidence of the presence of God with you in that valley, casting that shadow. And then finally, in the scripture it says this, they make their valleys a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. So here's the incredible thing about valleys for believers like you and I. Not only are they just temporary, not only do we know for a fact that they will pass, but our time spent in the valley is time that we spend setting up springs. It says this, whenever we as Christians find ourselves in dark places, we make those places light. We change those places into springs of provision of life and of nourishment. God says this, He prepares a table for me where? In the presence of who? My enemies. I want to tell you, in the valley of the shadow of death, this is what God is doing. He's putting down a table. He's putting a tablecloth over it. He's putting food on the table and He's inviting you to come and sit. In the presence of your enemies, in your valley, God has a place of rest, of peace, of nourishment, and of intimacy for you. Embrace it. There's an intimacy that you will find in the valley that you will not find or that you will find very hard on the mountaintops. I remember one of these couples that I spoke about earlier, their little girl who survived cancer. I think they spent about three to four years in hospital being frequently or frequently visiting hospitals. And I remember after a year of this little girl going for chemo, how the story started coming in of this couple leading other parents of people or of, of children with cancer to Jesus. As we were sitting together in the waiting room, start ministering to each other. And I want to tell you there are people today who know Jesus because of this family and who probably would not have known Jesus if it wasn't for this valley. If they did not pass through this valley, they might never have come to know God. Hosea 2 verse 15 says this, I will turn the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. See, God is with us in every single valley that we find ourselves in. I want to end with a final story 
few years ago, we were doing hosting a youth camp here in Bloemfontein on Pulse Camp. Remember the one evening during worship, a girl of about 14, 15 years old stepped out and, and asked for prayer. And I remember a few of us were praying for her and just asking her to tell us her story. And she told the story of how she was being sexually abused um, from a very young age and how she couldn't, simply just couldn't get rid of the trauma. She's been for counseling. She's been to all of these places. But this thing keeps haunting her. She can't get away from the trauma that, that she experienced growing up. And I remember how um, we sat her down. And there's this, um, I don't want to call it a, it's, it's a, a, an approach in Christian counseling that they call theophostics, where you sit down with someone and you almost take them back. You ask them to think back to the trauma that they've experienced previously, but then you ask them the question, ask Jesus where he was when that happened. And I remembered in that moment when we asked this girl to look for Jesus in the room, ask Jesus where he was. I promise you in that moment, God completely freed her from the trauma that she's come through. And that to me is evident of the freeing power that it has to see that God is with us in our valleys, to notice Jesus standing in the room, to notice the emotion on his face, to notice the love that he has for you when you're going through the valley. But more important than anything else, to notice that God is carrying you in that valley. And he's not leading you into any valley that he himself has not overcome and conquered. So I want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment as we end. And I'm sure that there's quite a few of us this morning who is experiencing a great deal of a valley experience. Maybe you're still in the valley. Maybe you've just come out of the valley. Or maybe you're just about to enter into a valley. But I want to ask you this morning, if you're currently in a valley, I want to invite you to quickly stand. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you in this moment to trust the Holy Spirit to show you where Jesus is. Just ask God in this moment, Lord, where are you? Because valleys oftentimes steal our perspective from us. It's hard to see in a valley. But just ask God in this moment, where are you? Where are you in my valley? Just give him time to minister to you. Maybe this morning you need to notice the emotion on Jesus' face. Maybe you need to notice that it breaks his heart to see you like that. Maybe you need to notice the look of him being in control. Maybe you need to notice the fact that he's embracing you in that valley.
or maybe the invitation for you this morning is God is saying, I'm preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And Jesus himself is already seated at the table. And the invitation for you this morning is to take a seat. To assume a posture of surrender, of rest, and of intimacy with him. So, Father, I want to pray for every person standing. And, God, I want to ask in this moment, won't you show them right now, God, what you are doing, God, the emotion on your face, what you are saying. Please come and show them that you are there with them in the valley. And that the shadow, although the shadows might scare them, God, thank you that it's merely a confirmation of the presence of light in their lives, God. And I pray for much grace for every person, Jesus, to pass through this valley, God. And I, I want to speak to every heart and reassure every mind that your valley is temporary. It will come to an end. God, I thank you that you have called every person here to pass through their valley. And I declare that by the grace of God, they will pass through their valley in Jesus' name, God. We thank you for that. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.